All right. Let's do it. Pod 34, we're, mm-hmm. we're doing it. Um, mm-hmm. This week's episode was tied for what? first in the topics that we polled. Mm-hmm. And it's gravitational waves detected in space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty excited. Some interesting stuff. Um, just do a quick check-in with us first. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you guys voted, and now we're doing it. It's real exciting. We're delivering, because we uh, do what the people want. Yeah. And uh, just like every episode, we're going to start with a quick check-in, what's going on with us for the week, and then get into... The topic you guys voted on. All right, Mike, you start us off with uh, what's been going on with you for the week or different ideas or things swirling with you. Um, I got this new game, Neo 2. It's actually not mm-hmm. a new game, but um, it's like a really cool like samurai game, and I streamed it, and it was fun. New game for you, yeah. Um, oh, the in my writing class... It's cool because I get to pick, like, a topic relating to any, like, science or medical stuff. Mm -hmm. Isn't this the one that's, uh, like, uh, uh, like, sciences or technology that somebody, that more people should know about but don't? uh, Yeah, it's the same thing. It's, like, um, well, you're supposed to pick a topic and then, like, uh, or recognize the barrier of like why people don't know more about the topic and then Mm. try to like suggest why or like how you could better educate people like the general population Mm. on that topic which is crazy because like that's generally what we talk about here (laughs) like really that's what we're trying to do (laughs) yeah we generally Uh, talk about things that people probably should know about and for some reason don't. So it was a, I think it was a really interesting, like, overlap. Yeah, so it's cool. It's like, uh, so I'm going to be continuing to, like, talk about how my essay is going and, like, what different, like, developments I might find on Neuralink. Did mm-hmm. I already mention that I'm doing it? No. No, nah, so, yeah, on Neuralink. so guys, he's doing Neuralink. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited about that. Apparently, yeah. You might have said this on the last pod. I kind of forget, but like, it's interesting that we'll we might be able to communicate telepathically through our Neuralinks. Yeah. So we yeah when we originally talked talked about Neuralink, which was feels like forever ago. Yeah. Yeah, we spoke. We touched on that. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see where your research goes with it. I'm sure the pod will be interested too. So. Yeah. So. That'll be cool moving mm-hmm. forward. Um, mm-hmm. I started doing yoga again because, like, mm-hmm. my foot's been acting up, and um, I don't think I can do the elliptical anymore. Mm. Dang. Elliptical is already low, uh, low impact. It doesn't, like, actively hurt, but it looks like... So after my, like, foot surgery, I had, like, a little mark on like next to my big toe Mm -hmm. and that mark got like a lot bigger and it's almost like a bug bite now Mm. and uh it's also got like red it looks like there's like blood like right under the surface so i don't know and it like hurts and itches Mm. so i don't know if it's like a the metal in my foot type of issue Mm. but I'm taking a break from the elliptical and trying out some yoga yeah. in the meantime. Hey, you gotta make it work. You gotta, gotta you adapt, wanna break a sweat improvise, somehow. Overcome. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hear it. Other than that, just been meditating every day. Chilling. Mm. Yeah, I wanted streaming. to yeah, let them let everybody know listening, because you've been on a streak for meditation, right? Yeah, I'm on a let me check. I think I'm forty three days. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like it was somewhere around 40 last time. 45. We spoke about it. Yeah, 45 days straight. That's awesome. Yeah. Out there here must, getting it. Yeah, you, like, I'm sure you've had a lot of, uh, you may not even notice them, but there must be some mental changes you've had. 
Yeah, I mean, like, there's actually, like, signs behind it now. And, a like, lot. Uh, I think you're supposed to, like, if you continue, like, daily meditation for a certain period of time, you're supposed to be, like, like 16% happier or something. Mm. Like, and, like, other, various other uh, benefits, too. But, yeah, I think it's been helping. Mm. Word. Cool. Hey, What's that's dope. You? I'm glad to. I want to keep following that. So, especially how you feel about it. Um. Yeah. Uh, you don't even do that long, right? It's only a couple minutes, like ten minutes uh, here and there. Or. Well, I mean, you don't have to. I've been trying to yeah. do as much as I can. I've been trying to do like twenty minute ones yeah. each day, but sometimes it all it makes a difference, though. Regardless, it doesn't have to be like six hours every day. I just want to oh, show yeah. people like it's possible to do short periods. Yeah, sometimes if I like, yeah, yeah, sometimes I I just do like three minute ones and those Mm. can be like just as helpful sometimes Mm -hmm. just to like step back and like chill out for a second. Yeah, it's dope. You know? Yeah. Um, word. (sighs) Yeah, but for uh, me, uh, not much has been going on from last pod. Uh, I just want to learn new time management techniques and skills uh, and start creating my own, uh, creating a schedule weekly. Uh, Because I've realized now that uh, there's a lot of things I want to do. uh, Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure I'm given all of the things I want to do the right amount of time every Mm -hmm. day. And uh, I think I found that I have been on a, uh, like, every day. So there's, like, every day I do something involving uh, the different businesses or different hobbies I want to get into. But it's not consistently X amount of time for every single one of those hobbies uh, and jobs. So I want to just learn different ways to manage my time and to just increase my productivity so that's really what i've been on for the past uh few days so if you'll keep that have you been huh finding and have you been finding anything that like works or like helps you sort of better budget your time yeah so that's what i'm trying to i i want to get better at it so i'm gonna so the way that i'm gonna try and do that is scheduling out my time better uh, so I want to create a legit a legit schedule so that I can get everything done. I have the whole growing. I uh, just got some new furniture. I got just got a piece a piece of furniture that I want to refurbish. I got to put time into learning that. Uh, naturally, real estate real estate exam, uh, and then uh, regular things like cleaning out the basement so I can set up my tent. All of these things need time. And uh, I just want to be able to schedule out to know that I'm getting things done. So that's like my my new goal. Word. And Um, the gym, another one. So true. It's a lot of things. Uh, Yeah. And I found like it's definitely difficult during the pandemic as we well, I mean, at least us, we've had a lot of free time on our hands. And yeah, now we're now we're sort of learning how to like readjust and schedule shit but um have you what have you been doing like have you been writing shit down in your phone or do you have like a planner that you've been writing stuff down yeah so right now my my uh time management i've just been using my calendar on the on the iphones um Uh, okay and what i'm planning to do is i want this is what i'm gonna do right after this pod is i want to write down all of the the things that I want to budget time into and I just want to create a rough draft of a schedule that I can go into for the week, uh, to try and get those things done. Uh, so it's going to take some, it's going to take me changing my habits right now, but I think that's a positive thing for me, uh, to get to where I want to be at. So word. Yeah, I'm going to see. It's going to be a process. I'm going to talk about it again on pod again uh, in the future, too, about where I am in the process. So 
But right now, I'm just in the first stages. Right. Um, I feel like next week would be a good time to like check back in on it when we're talking about self care and stuff. Cause oh yeah, you know that's like a part of self care is like learning to give yourself time, not to like overwork yourself and mm-hmm. you know properly budget your time. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm also Perfect. just curious because personally, I've been finding that my like physical planner is be is like more effective for me rather than like mm. just writing a to-do like a to-do list on my notes on, phone. on my phone yeah mm. i usually like tend to look over that but like when i have the, my physical planner like in a place that i like look at each day mm-hmm. uh i've found that to be more effective for me mm. so i mean i might post a poll on instagram just because i'm curious to see like what people prefer what works better for people like a physical planner or calendar as opposed to a a digital one yeah i like that i want to write that down um yeah fantastic fantastic uh i'll write it it right now yeah (laughs) great to let the uh the pod that like like mike said next week we do have our next topic, which is self-care, the other thing you guys voted on. So uh, definitely look forward for that. We'll send that uh, poll out, see how you guys feel about it, and or talk with you about it uh, uh, next week. Yep. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm ready. Let's, I'm ready to get into it. So let's, let's, do, uh, let's get started on uh, the gravitational waves. All right. Um... I'm going to go over some of the more, like, general things that people who aren't educated on gravitational waves mm-hmm. might find useful. And mm-hmm. I am one of those people, so I'm going to be reading a lot of article quotes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, I'm going to be interjecting in every once in a while uh, while Mike goes. But, yeah, start yeah, out. Z's much more versed on this than I am. Slightly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, all right, so what is a gravitational wave, you may ask? Gravitational waves are ripples in space-time caused by some of the most violent and energetic processes in the universe. Albert Einstein predicted the existence of gravitational waves in 1916 in his general theory of relativity. Uh, Einstein's mathematics showed massive accelerating objects such as neutron stars or black holes orbiting each other would disrupt space-time in such a way that waves of undulating space-time would propagate in all directions away from the source. These cosmic ripples would travel at the speed of light, carrying with them information about their origins as well as clues to the nature of gravity itself. Yeah, so Mike, uh, hope you don't mind. This is where I would want to help people who don't who are having trouble understanding all like the verbiage of that but pretty much what it is is that in 1916 einstein was saying that if his theory of general relativity was true then large bodies should have some kind of you should be able to detect their movement through the gravitational waves um So it really works as if to think about it is that space works more similarly to uh, the the ocean than it does to our natural atmosphere. So if you were to think about it and if you were underwater and two massive sharks were swimming around each other uh, in a circle and you would be able to feel the waves underwater or you'd be able to feel their movement underwater uh from the waves being pushed out to you that's really similar to what the gravitational wave is is that if these massive bodies are moving around each other we should be able to feel some or detect some kind of uh wave from them uh but yeah that's all and they're just they can be like very very far away Um, yeah extremely we yeah absolutely uh, 
While the processes that generate gravitational waves can be extremely violent and destructive, by the time waves reach Earth, they are thousands of billions of times smaller. Uh, in fact, by the time gravitational waves from LIGO, and I'm going to go over what LIGO is shortly, uh, the gravitational waves from LIGO's first detection reached us, the amount of space-time wobbling they generated was a thousand times smaller than the nucleus of an atom. So that's like mm. wicked small, bro. Yeah. Unbelievably tiny. <laughs> Unbelievably <laughs> Thousands tiny. of billions? Isn't that just trillions? You said thousands of billions? Yeah, isn't that just trillions? Or is that... Or Yeah, right? Yeah. Why the fuck? Why yeah. didn't they just say trillions? I don't know. Maybe it's just hard for people to think, like, understand. Science articles. Ugh. It's already hard to think of a billion. So, like, trying to put a trillion into somebody's head is where they, like, dribble off. <laughs> They're like, yeah. okay, I'm out. <laughs> billions and billions and billions. Um, all right, so what is LIGO? It's an acronym, and it stands for Laser Infer- in- Interferometer mm-hmm. Gravitational Wave Observatory. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the world's largest gravitational wave observatory and a marvel of precision engineering. Compromising two enormous laser interferometers located 3,000 kilometers apart, LIGO exploits the physical properties of light and space itself to detect and understand the origins of gravitational waves. Mm. So it's it's basically the mechanism that is ex- like detecting the gravitational waves Mm. Uh, so it's like it's pretty much shoots a laser naturally of light thousands of kilometers away to another receiver and it pretty much just triangulates them and pretty much if there were gravitational waves it should have some effect on the on the photons traveling to each sensor so uh, okay. it should cause them to move like a slight bit and there'll be somebody or a computer that's taking in this information that can create a waveform from the movement of the light. <laughs> Very ridiculous. It's like it it is legitimately a physical marvel. Like they literally it's 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 more like a like like a magic than anything. <laughs> really, legitimately. Yeah. Uh, this next part I'm talking about uh, sort of gets into that. It just mm-hmm. it says LIGO is a remarkable physics experiment on the scale and complexity of some of the world's giant particle accelerators and nuclear physics laboratories. Mm-hmm. Though its mission is to detect gravitational waves from s- from some sort of some of the most violent and energetic processes in the universe, the data LIGO collects may have far-reaching effects on many areas of physics, including gravity. Gravitation, relativity, astrophysics, cosmology, particle physics, and nuclear physics. Mm. So it's going to have a large impact on a lot of different science fields, it looks mm-hmm. like. Um, moving on. So mm. the way I sort of got interested in this was just I found this article that said that we found the first like gravitational waves in space um which we like have we we haven't found them yet right but like we know they're there yeah so Is that a good way before it was like something that einstein just theorized and said like i believe that there should be gravitational waves but we've had no way of detecting them or knowing that they're there so it was kind of just like a like a phantom wave or phantom. Uh, So it was something that we thought was there, but we couldn't prove until recently. Okay. And I just lied. I said we haven't found them yet, but we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, 2015, we found them for the first time. Yeah. In 2015, scientists snagged the first detection of a gravitational wave, a ripple in the fabric of Mm -hmm. space-time. The achievement marked the beginning of an entirely new field of astronomy and earned the 2017 Nobel Peace Prize in Physics. Mm. Uh, Now emerging research suggests that we may be on the cusp of yet another major milestone for gravitational wave astronomy, the detection of the so-called gravitational wave background. Mm. 
So that's sort of the new discovery is that there's just like a underlying background of gravitational waves sort of constantly moving. Yeah, from all massive entities. So planets, stars, black holes. But right now our detection is really low. So it's really only through the extremes, which is black holes. Black holes, yeah. Um, the discovery of gravitational waves continue to be one of the most consequential breakthroughs in science because it allows researchers to examine cataclysmic ef- events, such as the mergers of black holes that could never be spotted with traditional light-based astronomy. Mm. Um, I think you're going to go, when you're in New York part, you're going to go into more about like what type of waves they are and how they differ from light waves, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sound waves, whatever. Um... Detectors like the LIGO, which captured the first gravitational wave over five years ago, are built to sense relatively loud, high-frequency waves. But scientists predict that there is also an ambient murmur murmur of subtle, low-frequency ripples constantly flowing through everything in the universe, including Earth. So that's like the, the, Mm -hmm. um, what are they calling it? The gravitational wave background. Mm -hmm. Um. Now researchers think they found a candidate signal after more than a decade of watching fast-spinning collapsed stars for the faintest sign of a discrepancy that might indicate a wave. Mm-hmm. Collapsed stars is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way Do that they, they've been able to find them, too. Are they that's different cool. from um, black holes? Collapsed stars? Uh, Uh, a collapsed star can be a black hole, but uh, sometimes it can just collapse into itself to like in- increase its mass. So, not necessarily, not always. Okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah, black hole can be formed from the collapse of a star. Yeah. So you can also have a star that collapses in on itself, and then just loses heat. Um. And that would be a white dwarf. That'd be like a a Uh, larger star, like our sun, collapsing Mm -hmm. in on itself and becomes a white dwarf. But, yeah. Interesting. Um, And then there's this man, Joseph Simon, who's an astrophysicist at uh, Colorado Boulder. Yeah. And he just said, these are the black holes that are at the centers of every massive galaxy that we know of. If we were able to detect this signal, we would actually be able to open a completely different window into the universe than what LIGO is able to probe. And we will be learn, we will be able to learn more about the way these supermassive black holes grow and evolve throughout the kind of cosmic time with their host galaxies. So it's going to be cool... Once they, like, sort of uh, specialize in, like, tracking these down and being able to use them to commute, well, to have the potential to communicate, Mm. like, almost intergalactically. Yeah, that's one of the biggest implications for for people's day-to-day lives. Um, Mm -hmm. But other than that, there's small implications for our day-to-day. Um, it could mainly be applied to, uh, like future human societies or other advanced civilizations. Um, yeah, yeah, but scientists are, uh, beginning to create theories or hypotheses about, uh, if they could use advanced systems to see if, uh, gravitational waves could be used for communication over galactic distances. So... Uh, as humans become more of a space-faring uh, species, it will, it'll become more and more important um, for for people's day-to-day lives. There's also other more uh, other implications, like being able to study black holes directly uh, without using light, because the only uh, every way that we can. Uh, interact with a black hole is light based but black holes literally absorb light so it's hard for us to find even images of black holes Uh, right 
yeah so it is a it is it, it is it is a pretty big revelation for society um but yeah so it really raises the question like what's wrong with the way that we communicate today and why is it important that we could possibly be able to communicate with gravitational waves um so right now we use the uh electromagnetic wavelength to to transmit uh information so it's a, a massive wavelength with uh on one end things that have a long wavelength and low frequency like radio waves uh they can go long distances but the problem is they can be disrupted by uh by uh atmospheric changes so like rain snow wind and uh we also have other forms of communications like uh with 5G or 4G, those are all things that they sit on the spectrum and have higher frequencies. That's how you get more information more quickly to your phones. But the problem with 5G is that it's over a very short wavelength. So high frequency, meaning you could transfer a lot of information quickly, but it won't work over long distances and it can be disrupted from... Uh, you being blocked by a door or uh, if you're standing with your in between your phone and your body's the transmitter. So it's going to have trouble transmitting then. So uh, and you need a lot of infrastructure for it. Uh, and radio waves on a spatial scale have a lot of trouble. They have a longer wavelength so we can send them for farther distances that's why the uh, the International Space Station sends information using radio waves to the ground. Uh, but these transmitters have to be in specific areas. And it also has a caveat that uh, the signal received has to be uh, deliberately waiting for that signal. So it means like if I'm going to send a micro radio wave, he's not going to know I'm if he's not just naturally just going to know that I'm sending this wave so we have to have some kind of prior communication saying like hey this is how we're going to communicate right uh, that's why there's like yeah radio so that's stations. why right exactly that's exactly why radio stations exist but if I'm trying to communicate with another civilization if they're not expecting me to send radio waves and they don't have a receiver, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so and it also if, go ahead. Um, if we were to communicate via gravitational waves, we would have. I mean, it would have to. The people that are like you know the life that we would be communicating with would also have to have the ability to receive gravitational waves too. Correct. Yeah. Um, but what's different about it is that say we're over an extremely far distance, right? Mm -hmm. And that's another caveat to it where, yes, if they had a receiver and I'm sending radio waves and they, even if they knew that I was sending them over massive distances in space, by the time that that signal reached them, it would just be jumbled up. Uh, the radio I, waves? Yeah, the radio waves would just... Oh, okay. uh, would be jumbled by the time that it was... By the time that they received it. Mm -hmm. I like to think of it as, as like an echo chamber where like if you're in an echo chamber and you say your name, right? I say Ezekiel. And yeah. it just keeps getting sent back and forth. Sooner or later, it just reaches to a point where it's Fade just like out. a scream. I know some people yeah. have heard this or a feedback loop on your phone. Mm -hmm. uh, that's similar to how it just will decompose over the vast distances. Um, so, yeah, I want to go into the advantages of gravitational waves for further answer that question. So uh, these six direct advantages come from uh, Peter Hahn uh, from the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. So, uh, number one, gravitational waves can be monitored 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, regardless of weather conditions. Um, 
2. Gravitational waves travel through the interstellar, interstellar medium unimpeded. Uh, so for radio waves, for instance, if they were to travel through a planet or if they were to travel through uh, uh, the vacuum of space, uh, they can decompose just through uh, the, their movement. Um, number three, uh, to detect light or radio waves, one must point a detector directly at the source, like we were saying before. This involves the tedious task of continuously scanning the sky, and the, single, and the signal would be missed if the observer was not looking in the right direction at the right time. Uh, gravitational waves are more like sound waves, which can be detected or heard, quote-unquote, regardless of the detector orientation. So uh, like we were saying, like I was saying before, uh, even if you weren't necessarily looking for gravitational waves, their effect would still reach you, regardless if you're searching or not. Uh, just as if someone like down the road was to yell, regardless if you're listening for someone to yell, you're going to hear it. Um, all right. Number four, uh, gravitational waves travel unimpeded through planets. So one does not lose communication while on the opposite side. Uh, just like uh, uh, any sound, it will be absorbed by, uh, or wave, wavelength, it could be absorbed by a solid. So that's why it's uh, gravitational waves don't have that problem because they move with mass instead. So it's not uh, even... Um... I'm trying. I'm like trying to wrap my head around it, but yeah, no, I prefer this because there's also people who are listening who probably have a lot of questions. So you could, yeah, um, so like it says it travels through planets, but like doesn't like say Jupiter. Jupiter has it, its own gravity, correct? Or it doesn't? Mm. I forget. Yeah, it does or not. yeah, they all do. Yeah, uh, so that doesn't change the gravitational waves either. No. Um, so. Yeah, all right. So. Like I can. That's what. Like it yeah. That's what they mean the by planet. there should be a gravitational background. So like regardless of uh, another planet's gravitational uh, waves being like propagated outwards, you should still be able to receive those waves from uh, that event. So it's really about the movement of these massive uh, planets, stars, uh, moving through space causes gravitational waves. Okay. So they all do. So like, like, like if you were underwater, like we were saying before, and uh, you and those two sharks are moving around each other or just moving through the water at all, you should be able to feel that presence through the water. That's pretty much how the gravitational waves work. You should be able to feel the presence and movement of these giant entities through space. That's how a gravitational wave would work. Okay. Um, all right. That sort of makes sense. It's just like they... Okay. They're just so small, and but, like, they continue to move no matter what. Yeah, so the larger the mass of, of what you're uh, viewing, the more gravitational waves that you're going to get. So right now, we're at a really low level. So we're only able to even see that or even detect massive movement from... Uh, black holes, which have the highest density, most dense object in the universe. So things that are less dense, like planets, I'm LIGO can't even detect right now. Um, so it's a very, it's a technology that's in its infancy, but has a lot of future applications. Yeah. And communication is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, so then uh, number five, local interference uh, like af atmospheric uh, interference and uh, other radio waves 
uh, would not be a problem since no one on our planet is transmitting gravitational waves. Uh, currently, uh, uh, a company called SETI, uh, which is pretty, it's a group that's, that is trying to search for, it's an acronym as well, search for extraterrestrial intelligence. That's SETI. Uh, they're primarily focused on analyzing electromagnetic waves for intelligent life. But, uh, Peter Hahn believes that, uh, it's a waste of time because, uh, they have to remove a lot of local radio transmission just to see if other planets are other civilizations or advanced intelligence are transmitting, uh, electromagnetic waves. So that includes, uh, the radio interference they have to deal with are satellites, airplanes, drones, cell phones, uh, and etc. So gravitational waves are probably more likely for an advanced civilization. Right. Um, so then, yeah, as number six, advanced alien civilizations may exclusively use gravitational waves for interstellar communication to ensure that only civilizations that are sufficiently advanced would receive their signals. Uh, wow. It's kind of stuck so up of aliens. Huh? It's kind of stuck up of aliens to uh, yeah. just be communicating to like the advanced ones. Yeah. It's um dicks. Yeah, so just being yeah, but it, it it's cool cuz just being able to uh detect the waves is a huge milestone. Right. But um, it, under very specific situations, you know? Yeah. I wonder if, like, we'll ever be communicated. Or, like, within our lifetime, will we ever be communicating with other life forms? I don't know. We, uh... There's some, um... In, so, this was over the course of the past five years. And uh, now we're already figuring out ways to get better at detecting these gravitational waves. So some of the potential advanced uh, LIGO systems, mm-hmm. uh, it would it's over at an even more increased distance. So right now it was at 3,000 kilometers, right, for the LIGO system we got now. And I last most recently have heard that SpaceX is one of the companies that is trying to send the advanced LIGO systems to space. So these systems would work over uh, much greater distances, but not be impeded by the problems that we have on Earth. Um, okay. Because right now, LIGO systems can be uh, messed up by cars driving on the road, uh, loud noises in the in the area. Since we're working at such a small scale, any type of disruption could mess up the system. So it's easier in space in a vacuum to uh to go through those processes which is pretty interesting so that could be in the future and maybe that's when we'll be able to detect uh advanced civilizations gravitational waves so Hmm. but um um, you said so the two the ligo is they're both like both it's one observatory correct it's a what you said it's like um, two lasers being sent back and forth, right? Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a triangle system. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Earth right now, it's a triangulated system where uh, they shoot a beam of light to uh, one receiver, and then that receiver bounces that same light uh, to another receiver, and then literally creates a triangle. And I, they use the discrepancies in the laser's movement to mm-hmm. detect gravitational waves. Okay. So it's so, at a really tiny level, yeah. Oh, so is there... All the receivers are, like, on Earth? Like, on the planet? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I thought... And that's, they, like they could be affected by car movement and, and our own gravity. So it would be more effective if it was done in space. Okay, that makes sense. <sighs> hmm. This is uh this 
could definitely be like a pivotal science move. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, and it sounds like oh well, for the for the most people, they're gonna listen to it and be like, oh well, what does it matter if we can detect gravitational waves? But it does have a lot of important implications um, uh, for humanity, not just you as an individual. Yeah, I mean, what if we figure it out and then, like, we come in contact with an alien civilization and it, like, mm. decides it wants to be friends with us and speeds up our process of, gives us, like, all this new technology? Mm. So yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not into it. No? <laughs> no. I I like if we can detect it, gravitational waves. I don't necessarily like if we are trying to communicate, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, Too risky. You think so? Yeah. Who knows? Well, I mean, there could there's there's really no way of knowing, I guess. <laughs> but that's the problem. That's why I think it's risky because we don't know. And if the other society was anything like ours, then. Yeah, I don't like it. Not into it. You're going to like my existential questions, I think. All right, cool. I'm ready for them. Let's have our uh, take our breath. (sighs) All right, guys. Let's go. Episode 34 is existential questions. We've gone into the gravitational waves and potential implications for for humanity. Um, excited to hear what Mike's got for his existential questions today, for our existential questions. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I thought of these on my own. I didn't look them up, so... Let's go. Clap for me. Um, mm-hmm. All right. If you knew you were, like, about to die... Like, if you had maybe, like, 10 minutes to live, and Mm. you knew that for a fact, uh, would you want to try to go through a black hole, if that were possible, to just see what happens? Would I? Is it it like I'm uh, sacrificing myself for science, or is it just, just to see? Just Either way, your, I'm probably doing your it. own knowledge. Yeah, I I'm think I would it. too. Like, what if you just pop out into another, uh, mm. like another universe? Yeah. Um, With no further research into that, or knowledge truly of uh, black holes to that extent, to may even make a guess, I feel like you would. Yeah, but like. There also is a high likelihood that it's extremely painful. Oh yeah, uh, it um <laughs> the way the way that it would work is that from what I've seen on it or like researched on it is that you would be stretched like infinitely long as you got pulled into the black hole. So uh <laughs> It's not like you as like an individual be pulled in, but you'd be stretched, which is like, I don't know. Probably hurts. That sounds probably pretty, pretty terrible to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it like sounds Mr. pretty Fantastic. awful. Yeah. And, um, uh. Yeah. Black holes are really interesting because they're like, they're, they're literally circles so it's not like one flat plane that you fall into but you get sucked into a sphere of mass so it's kind of weird to even think about it's weird to think about that there are like they're just black holes out there right now too and they're like not affecting us sort of yeah yeah so that's what's so crazy about being able to detect them because that means this is going to be the right. first time that we can actually uh, research them because at, we, we've been able to see them and know that they're there, but we haven't been able to actually view them and detect them until very recently. 
So it's definitely a huge, uh, it's definitely a huge uh, science going on. Yeah, big step. But to There's answer your question, step. Yeah. I think I would. Yeah, I think I would too. It would be awful, and but the thing Shut that's it. different too. The thing that's also weird about it is that black holes, they also, this is going to, black holes bend time around them in space naturally. Uh, so you could be stretched out, but it'll feel like it was like a thousand years. Whoa. So like, it wouldn't be like, oh, minutes. It would, it's, 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 uh. Yeah. As you well, go do we over know the that horizon, it makes it longer or does it Huh? Or could it does it do you know for a fact that like it would it would make it longer or could it make it seem like it's a shorter amount of time? No, it, for a fact it would be longer cuz it's stretched out. Yeah. It's uh <laughs> because it it's kind of like imagine falling down a waterfall but as you go over the edge or the event horizon of the of the uh, of the waterfall, the top yeah. part of your body is going to be under less uh, less uh, gravity than the top half. So that's how you'd start to get stretched and pulled in as you went over the event uh, horizon. Okay. That's a funny visual. Yeah, so it stretch you out infinitely thin and pull you in. So, it's uh, I'd still try it. Yeah, you, like, it's definitely not something you'd want. But be the I first person would, ever. I mean, it would seem like a reality for like the universe as a whole, but I don't think it would seem like a reality for you because, like, I'm sure the second you split, you're gonna die. You know, the second you get, yeah, you. You'd probably be dead way... You're going to be dead way before you reach the event horizon. Yeah. I'd still send it. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. It's it's really it's really crazy. We don't know anything about black holes, really. It's all just yeah. theory. And this is the first time we're able to interact with them on some level, so... Scientists are going to listen to this and, like... They're gonna be looking for black hole volunteers, and they're gonna be like, "Oh well, yeah, you guys said we got you guys said guys. you want to do." So, yeah. Um, my next question was, I th- sort of just asked it asked it a little while ago, but will we ever make contact with other with other life forms, and do you want to? Um. Yeah, there's so much there. Um. Um, I say that at some point we will contact other life forms, but the problem that I have with it is that if they evolved under the same basis as us to be competitive and to be resource oriented, um, yeah then I believe that the inevitability will be that the other civilization would want to conquer ours because we would be seen as competition to yeah, or even like limited resources. Yeah, we could even be just like, yeah, like our ourselves be resources. Yeah. We don't know exactly. how advanced things are, and like they could, you know, just like harvest our organs. Yeah, you know, like or maybe they use them for, you know, their cars. Yeah, harvest <laughs> us for work. Yeah, we, like. Yeah, or make us slaves. Yeah. But yeah, because that's what our civilization has done to itself. So mm. why wouldn't that be something another civilization would do to us? So that's. Yeah. It is under the caveat that, hey, maybe they have that they have hopefully by the time a uh, civilization or species is capable of gravitational waves there's also the assumption that they would have improved other technologies so i'm going to take the assumption that okay 
I'm gonna change my stance. Under the assumption that a civilization that is able to detect gravitational waves and uh, travel and is a spacefaring uh, civilization, then I'm gonna assume they have other technologies like artificial intelligence and advanced robotics to not need slaves mm-hmm. and are able to find their own resources. And with those assumptions, which is a lot of assumptions, yeah. And only under that circumstance would I want you might to... hit them up. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, I'm like, I'd be curious to see if there, if like others, life forms are actively trying to reach out. Mm. Um, because you got to think like. You know, that thing said uh, advanced civilizations may exclusively use gravitational waves for interstellar communication to ensure that civilizations are sufficiently advanced. Yeah. Um, But, like, you got to think, like, why would they be wanting to, like you said, like, if they're sort of resource and, like, I keep thinking just, like, Darwinism, like if they're like looking to become like stronger or whatever mm. and like mm-hmm. make survival of the fittest. That's what you're talking about. Like, yeah, that like can, if, yeah, I can't imagine that they would be looking for like assistance or anything. So yeah, exactly. And if it's like, you're not, if you're not with us, then you're against us. Yeah. Cause because once you have a civilization that is sufficiently advanced, then it's like, well, say if we don't, if we let you keep evolving and increasing your technology, then sooner or later, you're going to just become competition and an enemy. So right. why wouldn't I just destroy you right now? Mm-hmm. So that's what I think... Uh, that's why I think that would be the stance of why not to to do that. Um, yeah. But uh, there are other advantages to to meeting a civilization because maybe you could work together and advance each other. Um, right. That'd be ideal. But some societies may do that. Others might not. So I, that's where I think it's risky to just come out because you don't know if how they're going to react. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would like, I'd be open to listening if there's like anything that mm. other civilizations are looking for, but yeah, that's the, uh, th- like this whole conversation is the crux of what the, the, uh, dark forest analogy is where our society is in a dark forest and we're hunters. And the first noise you make or the first person you see, it's either you or them. Yeah. And once you do that, your presence is made known to all of the other hunters in the forest. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Um, so my last question kind of ties in with our the previous one. Um, what message would you send out with gravitational waves if you had to? To make first contact with aliens. W-Y-D. Hmm. (laughs) The first message? Yeah. Probably. What you up to? I would say something like, we aren't your enemy unless you make us your enemy. Oh, bro, that's way too aggressive. <laughs> you think we'll so? Zap- yeah, we'll get... As soon as you send that, I will just evaporate. <laughs> it's so difficult, though, because if you say anything that's too... That's not aggressive enough, then they're going to be like, oh, these dudes are punks. Like, the other society's going to be like, oh, these guys are free food. This is free lunch. Like, yeah. let's I just... Mean, 
I don't know. I just feel like enemy is like a strong word to send out. Like, because you have to recognize that English is our language. And like, so maybe it might be, but it's like the way that they see it is like, if they yeah, see the word enemy and they like have a jet, like they can somehow, you know, research like, oh, what that might mean, mm-hmm. you know, and they see that it's like, oh, like a hostile. And then, I don't know. Um, what would you I'm, say then? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. It was the last question I thought of. Um, I just thought of funny ones like, what you doing? Um, I would say. Trying to come over? <laughs> <laughs> you up? <laughs> Yeah, you up. You said the you up text to it. Like civilization. <laughs> That's funny. Um, What's the word? <laughs> like, I would just say, like, um, looking. Uh, what is this, like, Tinder? <laughs> like what? <laughs> I'm a Sagittarius. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Word. I'm a Sagittarius too. Just an alien typing back. Um, but I think I would just be like, uh, are there any allies out there or something? I don't know. I'd want to keep it like general, but like friendly. Hmm. Um, or maybe just write help, you know, cause then the only people that would, or the only life forms that would like respond to that would probably be trying to help, I think. Right. It's too that, hard though, because it's, it's, there's <laughs> so too much many unknown. assumptions. There's too many assumptions and too many variables to just be like, well, we should just try to communicate with them. Yeah, that's true. I think that because I think best case scenario is to wait for the other civilization to try to communicate with us. I think that's best case scenario. Yeah. That's true. But if you had to, you would say that enemy thing. Yeah. Okay. Because I I think think that it's more than likely that they're going to be aggressive than be like happy go lucky. Like finally humans have have finally <laughs> evolved. Like, nah, I don't think that's how it's going to go down. Yeah. I think it's going to be like, Oh, you're actually here. I didn't even know you were here. Like awesome. Now I'm going to steal like your lunch All money. Your shit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think I would go with the help thing. I feel like that's like, if we had to send out a message, that'd be a decent strategy. Yeah. I want to ask that question. If if you were to, uh, to be the first communicator with an alien race, what would you say? Oh, like in person? Yeah, like well, through gravitational waves, I guess to be because we're uh, saying that if we were the first line of communication with a uh, within alien civilization, what would we say? Pretty much, right? Right. Yeah. So I'm curious, like the people listening, what they think. What would they oh, say? Okay. Yeah, I could ask. I could do an Instagram question on that too on the Instagram. Yeah. Let me write that down in my planner. Perfect. Do, 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 do. Uh, all right. Message to aliens. What you doing? <laughs> what up, big head? <laughs> what up, fucking green skin guy? <laughs> um. All right. Well. Eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a wordsmith myself. All right. Um, I guess we should wrap this up. I liked what we talked about. Um, yeah, and I just want to like preface: me and Mike are not uh, astrophysicists or uh, in any way, but we just find it these topics really interesting, and 
want to shed light on new innovations or new sciences that are interesting in the world. So just give that yeah. the information to you guys. If you guys enjoy it, definitely send some more research on your own. But mm-hmm. yeah. I may not That's be a our scientist. Hope. I did wear my lab coat today, though. Did you wear yep. yours? Of course, every day. Um, but yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. Hit us up on the Instagram at DTMS underscore podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Where our new times are Wednesday and Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so, so. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Keep checking us out. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. See you later.